Welcome to Infinite Scale, the ultimate guide to growth for managed service providers. In this series, MSP entrepreneur James Vickery and author of Infinite Scale shares what he has learned about taking control of your business so you can break free from the tools, win more customers and be more profitable. Hey everyone, welcome back to Infinite Scale. This is Patrick Doherty with James Vickery. Hey Patrick. How are you doing? I'm doing real great, man. So today we're going to talk about a specific topic, which um, is kind of an interesting one, I think. Um, we certainly had some questions about it and um, we thought we might just dive into this concept of firing customers and why on earth you would ever even think about doing that. Um, so James, why don't, you, uh, why don't you just kick us off and kind of just maybe tell us a little bit about where you've thought about firing a customer or or why you would do that. Yeah. Whew. <laughs> Big topic, Patrick. Um, when or why should you fire a customer? Look, um, I think every business operates from a set of values, um, whether those are determined quite clearly, they're written up on the wall somewhere around the office, maybe they're the wallpaper on your screen, whatever it might be, but every business has a kind of set of intrinsic values, documented or undocumented. And one of those values might be that you need to be in partnerships with customers that have a deep level of respect for you and vice versa, right? And when that respect doesn't exist, that leads to a lot of problems. You, you kind of become a doormat and the customer kind of gets away with a lot, right? And I think in those circumstances where the values don't align, that's where a conversation needs to be had with that customer about how to move forward together. Can this problem be solved? Can this be a win-win relationship where there's mutual respect in the engagement or should you go separate ways? So I think that's a really good example where at times there is just not a fit. It's just not gelling. But you know what, Patrick? I think it's kind of rare. I actually think that sometimes we get a little bit heated and emotional in these customer engagements that or, or we get very specific about exactly what sort of customer down to the down to the wire, exactly what it is that we want. And when the customer's not that, we think, oh, we should just let them go. Now, I don't really agree with that philosophy. And maybe we can talk a little bit more about that, about when's the right time to make the decision, but what are some of the things that you can do to turn a kind of a questionable customer into a good customer? Yeah, and I think um, that's certainly something worth discussing. But I think um, just you know, sort of circling back to what you set up, Front when you have an, an when your values aren't aligned, that's almost an easy decision, right? Like this guy doesn't treat me with respect, or they're just not a good person to deal with, or whatever. Kind of an easy decision. It's a little harder though if it's an economic decision around a customer that you actually really like, totally right. And so yeah. someone who's maybe been a customer for ten years, but you just don't make any money because they they're too demanding or. Or, but they're actually really nice, but, you know, they're just really not helping you scale because they consume too much of your resources. Yeah. So what do you do about that? Yeah. Well, I think that, I think everybody can relate to that. Like everybody in business can relate to that. There's that one or several customers that maybe you picked them up in the early days. Maybe they were really nice. Maybe you get along with them really well. But every time you look at the numbers, you kind of realize that they're, they're not all that profitable for you. And so I think in these circumstances, this is a, and a very important decision if you want to scale your business, which is the intent of this podcast. If you want to scale your business, your customers need to be profitable. And doing favours for people or, you know, just these 
quick five-minute jobs, but there's five of them a day and they start to stack up and you can't afford to employ people as a result of this, you know, customer demanding your time, that's when a conversation needs to be had. So that's also a fact. So it's a factor of time, but also of price, right? So yeah. equally, you got to look at like how they consume the resources, but then you have to look at your pricing model and go, is it is it reflective of the value that I'm delivering? Um, you know, and that's sort of an important part of that that conversation as well, right? Yeah, yeah, and also not being too rigid about you know this is the only way we do business. And, you know, probably uh, we'll, we'll get some feedback about this, but MSP, the very specific MSP pricing model, like, you know, this much per device, this much per user, it doesn't always work. And you know what? I'll, I'll be the first one to say it. In every single MSP that I've spoken to over the last three years, not one of them has a 100% book of managed services customers. Not one of them. There is always a few customers there where they say, look, this customer repeatedly buys from us. This customer pays their bills every month, which is really mm. kind of important, right? They pay the bills every month, but they're just not an MSP model fit. Yet conversely, I was on, I can't remember which group it was, one of the one of the MSP Facebook groups the other day. Someone put a problem up to the group saying, look, I've got this customer, there, uh, we're, they, there's a project coming up, it's a $150,000 project, uh, but they break fix what should we do? Should we fire the customer? And, you know, all these people jumped in on the comment. It was hilarious, actually, come in and said, I'll be happy to take the customer off your hands if you like, right? So I think that sometimes we need to be flexible and understand that, you know, yes, in a perfect world, managed services, getting them on your product stack, getting them like set up exactly how you'd like them to be set up and then having a mechanism like a per user or per device pricing is great and maybe that's optimal for your business, but having some understanding and flexibility that doesn't always fit means that you may actually get more customers. You may actually be able to work outside of that framework and actually win more business because you're a more flexible provider. Okay, so all right, so before we before we take that ultimate step of firing somebody, yep. saying we don't I don't want your business anymore. As you said, there's that interim step of or how can we fix this or how can we come to a better arrangement? Yeah. So how do you have that conversation with somebody? Because obviously you've got to talk to them about maybe price and then maybe also the level of resourcing that they're going to actually get. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be a trade-off, right? So um, role play that conversation for me. Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, get your facts. Make sure that make sure that you know what you're talking about. I can remember scenarios where I've had improper data from my PSA solution or uh, billing solution gone to a customer to kind of demand a price increase and realized that, you know, the customer schooled me on the real numbers, right, on what was really going on. So it's very important that you, before you enter into a discussion like that, you have the data, right? And that data is, and in my view, the most important piece of data is how much labor are we sinking into this agreement or how much free time are we giving away on a break fix or block time kind of arrangement. Getting that is really, really important and identifying what the effective hourly rate is as drill down into that for a moment. So let's say you've got a $1,000 a month contract, which sounds really good on paper, $1,000 a month contract, but you're spending 20 hours a month administratively and technically delivering service to that account. That's a $50 an hour account for you. It's 50 bucks an hour. Right, you just do the math, you guys. Everyone's got their calculators out now. Mm-hmm. You you do the math. Fifty bucks now. Fifty bucks is not a lot of money. It might be for some, 
but it's not sustainable, especially if you're trying to grow and you're trying to employ really good people. There's not a lot of margin left in that, if anything at all. So understanding what the effective hourly rate is and knowing what it should be. You know, for some organisations, 100 bucks an hour is really great. Some organisations I talk to in really big major cities, it's more like $300 an hour. So understanding what your target rate is, maybe looking at some of your customers that are exemplary and are producing a higher effective hourly rate kind of gives you a sense of balance, right, before you go into this meeting. So that's, yep. the, first, that's the first thing. The second thing is having a conversation that comes from a position of price is something that's likely to get the backup of anyone. Imagine a supplier came to you now and said, look, um, we're just delivering too much work to you and we're putting your prices up, right? It's kind of like, oh, okay. Um, and sometimes that results in that customer saying, well, why don't I just go and talk to some other providers? So I think taking an approach, a strategic approach to this is really important. So mapping out what it is that you actually deliver for the customer having an honest look at yourself as to whether you're able to deliver the best to that customer. What are some of the things that have popped up that maybe haven't gone in the customer's favor? It's important to have a look at these things. And then being able to say to the customer, we are struggling to deliver X, Y, or Z for you because we need some form of capacity improvement in our business to deliver that. And right now you're on our X, Y, Z plan or you're on X, Y, Z rate. And what we're going to need to do is either stop delivering X service or Y service because it's really challenging. We're probably not going to do a great job or we need to have a deeper conversation about what is the right service for you. So we haven't even talked about, we haven't talked about dollars yet. We're just talking about meeting the customer's expectations, meeting your expectations. Then eventually what will come out the other end is some sort of pricing proposal or document outlining this. And I think it's also important to say that, um, again, sort of going back to some things we covered in earlier episodes is maintaining a good relationship with that customer. Like they don't want to like not hear from you for six months and then this is the conversation you're going to have with them, right? Yeah. And that often happens, right? You get a head full of steam, you know, and, and you know, maybe maybe an event occurs, like customers really upset about something and you think, wow, I don't think you're paid much by this customer. Mm. That's what often happens, right, is that when something goes wrong, you then suddenly there's a value placed on this. And if the value is low, like 50 bucks an hour, that is then your reactive move. And it's very important not to be reactive. It's very important to be able to take a step back and really analyze the situation properly. Right. Um, so there's still going to be that situation where um, you just can't figure it out with a customer. So you got to fire them. Yeah. Right? So how do you do that? Um, I mean, you know, you obviously don't want them to go away with a particularly bad taste in their mouth or go out and say terrible things about you. So yeah. how do you how do you transition away from a customer? Yeah. Well, there's a couple of ways. Um, and it really depends on the relationship, as you put it. Um, we've had some customers along the way that um, it's been very hard to have that conversation. We're talking about customers within um, my MSP that it's kind of like even the relationship doesn't even exist at a level where we can have a pricing discussion. You know, we're kind of stonewalled on any kind of business level discussion. And so in those instances, I think if, if your contract allows for it, I think that the starting point is to start to increase prices. So, you know, this, this customer is not profitable for you. Um, you're having difficulty conveying the value of what you do. One good way to convey the value of what you do is to put a price on it. 
right. and increase your prices. And you know that it 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 really depends on how you deliver that. But in some cases, it's just look, come February, um, we've changed our business model. Our business is growing. We're delivering. Boom! Here's a list of all of the services we deliver to your business, and here is the price from this date. Give them a little bit of leeway. Give them a little bit of time to mm-hmm. get to the table. And I think that's important. Is that sometimes these things can be used to actually trigger a discussion that you haven't been able to have before. So if you've reached out multiple times, oh hey, we need to sit down and talk about your IT, and you get stonewalled, then I think then that's when you need to use some kind of tactic. Like okay, we're not having the conversation that we need to have. We need to put a price on this. Right, put the price on, and chances are that discussion will will come up, or that customer will move on. Thereby, you don't need to fire them. Right, and so you know, and obviously be prepared to to maybe help them find another provider because you want you want it all to end in you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look for us, um, we were we were um, a strong managed service provider with a strong group of customers. And there are a lot of providers that I have a great deal of respect for that were less rigid than we were. You know, I have a lot of providers that uh, just purely did break fix and they could pop around any time and they could fix a computer problem. They just didn't have any consultancy expertise. They didn't have any kind of enterprise standards in their business, um, but they'd be a good fit for that customer. So I would refer that smaller player into the, the customer. Okay, so um, just to finish off, um, Obviously, you don't ever want to have to fire any customers. So what's just some good practices around good customer relationship management um, to avoid ever having to do that? Oh, I'm so glad you said that because I feel bad talking about firing customers, Patrick. I mean, obviously, there's there's a time where it, it needs yeah. to happen. We talked about values. Um, if it's just not a fit, you know, if someone's rude or aggressive and difficult, doesn't listen, doesn't take your advice, um, that's, a, that's a decision yeah. you need to make because that that customer will drag your business down and I know it's a hard decision but if they're limiting you from actually growing then um, you you have to make that decision I can think of tons of examples where I've feared losing a customer and I can say every single time that's happened we've grown every single time yeah it did happen the next day not necessarily but suddenly we breathed and we were like right we've got to get our skates on and fill this bucket up again right? right And we re- it resulted in customers that were a fit. So it's it's a fear there, but at some point it's going to happen and it's either you executing it or the, or the customer executing it. But how do you avoid that, I think, is building these relationships. We've talked a lot in the podcast and in Infinite Scale about what's, what value you bring to your marketplace is you. That's what you bring. Your customer is buying a trusted advisor. They're coming to you because you are the one that will give them some direction and take some ownership and responsibility about their IT. So you need to put yourself in that position as often as possible. Some of that is just, you know, there's a new laptop being delivered that normally gets set up remotely. Why don't you drop in, right? Especially if it's for the owner. Why don't you drop in and be the one that kind of at least pretend to be the one setting it up and have someone log on remotely and set it up or set it up for them. It doesn't have to be every day, but it's just these like, encounters chance encounters listen bob i heard you bought a new laptop tell you what i'm going to bring it around mm-hmm. right so building up that level of trust getting yourself in the boardroom as much as possible so we had a client recently in our msp um, space that said um we're going to get a new erp solution i said would it be okay if i sit on the committee 
right? Would it be okay if I'm the one to actually participate? I actually, and by the way, I never get defensive in these situations, even if it means they're moving from like something that I support to something I don't support. I'm never defensive in that situation because I want to continue to be a key person of value for them. And I want them to continue to refer us to other companies. So I get myself a seat at the table. And I make sure that I'm part of that conversation and I make sure that I'm advising my client as a professional without bias on this situation. So I think that's really important. I think stepping up communication with your customer. So often we do tickets, the customer gets a, you know, we've fixed ticket one, two, three, closed, right? But what about a little, you know, note at the end of the month to say, these are the problems that we solve for your business this month. Right. Here's a list of issues that came through. People talk about generating a report out of their RMM. No one reads those things. No one reads those <laughs> things, right? Nobody reads those executive summaries, these boilerplate things. I think we all know that deep down. Why not create your own? Why not take a little bit of time to analyze the work that you've delivered for a customer, the issues that you've presented for the customer, the cybersecurity attacks that you've prevented hitting the because you put a great firewall solution in place and send that. The customers will read that. They will absolutely read that. So I think there's like a ton of tactics and almost another podcast on that one, Patrick. But if you can step up your relationship and your value, you don't need to fire them, right? right? You don't need them. They don't need to fire you, more importantly. Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously it's shifting that relationship from vendor to advisor. And a good metric for that is they call you. Yeah. They don't, you know, and, and not about a technical problem. They call you about something That's right. bigger about the business. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that a lot in earlier episodes. If you guys get a chance to, to um, check it out, if you haven't been listening along the whole time, uh, there's plenty of tips in there around that. Great. Cool. All right, James. Well, uh, thanks for that. Um, and everyone stay tuned for the next episode. Awesome. Bye See for you now. soon. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to get your own copy of Infinite Scale, just go to benchmark365.com and if you have any comments, feedback or suggestions for future podcast episodes, just drop us a line at hello at benchmark365.com. Thanks for listening.